Hello, hello, and welcome back to DFT's Dungeon. My name is Daniel Terry, and right at the beginning of this episode, I just want to apologize to you guys about last week. I couldn't put an episode out because I had to have an emergency root canal in the middle of the week, which makes it kind of hard to talk, but I was happy to finally be back on the horse and get to sit down and talk to one of my good buddies, Danny Pelletier of Symphony in Peril. Not Beneath, formerly of Outcry and North Meadow Park. Danny has just done so much music that I'm a fan of over the years that I'm kind of kicking myself that I waited as long as I did to have him on this show in particular. Danny's got a lot of great stories for us. He tells us about a horribly disastrous tour with Outcry, which ultimately ended up leading to the band's destruction. And just everything that he's been up to, all the way up to his joining of Symphony in Peril last year. We talk some Symphony in Peril stuff, we talk about lamb goat comments, and it's just a really fun conversation between two friends about the state of music right now. So there's a lot of really exciting stuff in this chat. And uh, speaking of exciting stuff, if you guys want to follow the podcast on social media, I'm going to have links in the show notes of this episode where you can follow me on Facebook or Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called or threads or Instagram. And if you guys love the podcast, make sure that you guys are subscribed to it so that you don't miss new episodes when they come out. If you guys really, really love the podcast, I do have some really sweet hoodies available right now. For a pretty limited time and i would definitely recommend checking those out i actually ordered my own copies to make sure they were not like crap quality and uh, they have kept me warm literally all week so i'm really excited about that and so yeah make sure to check those out there's a link to the merch store also down in the show notes and if you guys just want to hang out and talk about life talk about music have a good time with other music fans check out the dft dungeon discord server which is probably the easiest place to find me online so if you got a question, hit me up on Discord, or you can always send me an email at dftdungeon at gmail.com. And with all that garbage out of the way, let's get into my chat with Danny Pelletier of Symphony in Peril. Terry, making people famous. Yeah, something like that. I don't want people to know what the F stands for. <laughs> but yeah, like I was saying before we actually hit the record button, I feel like, you know, whenever Symphony and Peril announce, you know, oh, we've got a new lineup, we've got all these guys in the band. And it's funny because I think that a lot of people were like, okay. It's funny because I saw your guys' personal Facebooks and I was like, oh, I was like, well, if these guys are in the band, it's going to be great. I like, I'm totally stoked. I'm totally behind it. Uh, but then I was like, you know, it'd be cool to do a podcast. You know, I did one with Josh last season and I wanted to get you on as well. So people could have a chance to get to know you if they don't already. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, considering our, our history with, you know, your, your previous podcast, you know, it's, it is kind of, it's nice to be able to kind of round it out. <laughs> I sure. guess. Full um, circle. We're circling back. We're circling back. Oh, there we go. I like it. I like it. Yeah, but this this is cool, man. Thanks for th thanks for for doing this with with me. I, I appreciate it. 
Yeah, well, after you told me earlier how busy you are, I was like, holy crap, I cannot believe he actually penciled me in for an evening. Because it sounds like you've got a lot going on. I do. I got a lot on my plate, but it ended up working out pretty nicely to do tonight. I have a, a very demanding job. I travel a lot. You know, as I was, I was telling you earlier, it's it was 50%. Now it's 30, 40. But I do a lot of traveling for work and doing symphony in peril and uh, investing in, in my kids. And, you know, the fact that I was just out of the country for a week, dropping my family off in the Republic of Georgia and, you know, coming back and <laughs> now going on the road and traveling two weeks in a row with Audio Technica. So, yeah, man, it's it's a ton. It's a lot. Do you think it's because they reduced your travel that you were like, well, now I've got to figure out more organic ways to continue traveling so that the math actually works out to be the way that it was before? No, I mean, I've been pushing for it. I'm like, because in a way, because I use those miles, I need to travel. So I was like, hey, well, and plus is like, well, my family's going to be out of town. I want to take as much advantage of this as possible. So, you know, these two opportunities came up. I might have a, I might be traveling twice more that you know by the end of the year so yeah i, I got a between yeah family obligations work uh symphony and peril so i mean well music projects it's um like max capacity yeah yeah so if i so if i wanted you to you know throw down some stuff for a band i want to make yeah i should call someone else at least at this point in my life probably yeah. <laughs> It's all right. I still have to get my voice back because I did hardcore vocals for years. And then when I went back to start trying to do them again, I was like, oh, I can't do these anymore. Like it was just gone. Just poof. You know, like yeah. there was no. Um, and I have heard that, like, if you're in a room with a band playing a song that, you know, your body will like remember what to do. But I did watch some Furnace Fest videos of some bands that did that. And I'm not 100 percent sure if that's the case in all cases. Not yeah. going to name names. That's definitely a fear of mine. But uh, yeah, so if I if I have a musical project, it's not going to be for several years, probably until I get to that point. But I want to back up a little bit and okay. ask you the generic in the spirit of the audience getting to know you. What got you in? into music and more specifically how do you go from getting into music to getting into heavy music so my dad was in a band when when he was young and i wanted to be like my dad so when i was 10 years old i was playing his ovation at his apartment and learning helmet songs it's like in 1990 okay. so you started with like the harder stuff okay yeah kind of um so you know something that is a familiar theme on you know pretty much every podcast that you've done was that my, my dad was, um, uh, was Baptist and that church didn't like anything at all. And my mom was not Baptist. So like, I, like with my dad, I listened to classical music. I mean, I, we bust out Doobie brothers and stuff like that, but that was really max. And my mom was into, into pop music. But when my parents split up when I was seven, it really only took a few years before I was like, I'm in the middle too often. It's like, what's right to you is wrong to you and vice versa. And I just started listening to heavy music as a result of that. But my sister listened to like ministry and a lot of like the Chicago industrial bands, like Skinny Puppy. I don't know if they're from Chicago, but they were all like, you know, all of that. Yeah, they were all part of that scene. Yeah. Um, but in 93, well, this kid that I was friends with in 87, Chris, in second grade, he moved away and then he came back and in 93 we're like we should we should do a band together so we were 13 years old it was me him a couple other guys and they already had a, a guitar player he was playing keyboard there was a drummer and i was like well i guess i'll play bass like i really want to do this 
Right. So uh, we played bass, and that band was called Nothing, which is funny because there's a band now called Nothing. But we all, we, I mean, we were, you know, and I was in eighth, maybe in eighth grade. Yeah, I think 13. Yeah, I was in eighth grade. And I was like, yeah, wouldn't it be funny if, uh, if it was people, we could uh, play a show and people said that they saw nothing? What was your you guys' band name? Nothing. Nothing. No, really. What's yeah. the band name? Nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's that was totally in the mindset of it. So there was there was that, but when that band broke up, Chris and I started the so the 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 keyboard for that band, the keyboard player, he moved to drums and we started a band called Gadfly. funny is that russ from zeo was just busting me about that band because we opened up for zeo a couple times oh man oh so funny so yeah we were at it was both at furnace fest and when they played in cleveland he was like yeah is gadfly gonna play it's like yeah only if <laughs> sower plays oh man i don't know if you remember uh so it was sower seasons in the field and then when seasons in the field um well when zeo made their transition into like what era two yeah sure was, we'll call it we'll call, yeah, we'll it, the call second it era, era yeah so yeah that's kind of that trajectory but so is gadfly a hardcore band or it was like a rap core band we were really heavily influenced by like biohazard and wu-tang okay that's awesome um, and but like i loved earth crisis and Snapcase, and i loved and like i loved living sacrifice i liked a lot of swedish metal too i was eclectic and when we got out of high school Chris went to the military and I was friends with John Marino because John Marino was dating my younger sister. And we were like, let's start a band. Let's start a Christian, let's start a spirit filled hardcore band. Like we like Zayo, we like strong arm. We like X disciple X yada, yada. AD. We were like, let's start a Christian hardcore band. So we started outcry. That was in 90, uh, well, that was in 97, but Outcry really didn't get legs until like 98, 99. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that was when you guys, uh, that's whenever you guys did that EP. And uh, that's whenever I found out that there were singers out there that could go higher than Dan Zeo. You know, like I, <laughs> I remember hearing John's voice on that and just being like, and this is several years later. It's so funny thinking about that, right? That like, yeah. All of the, you know, like you, the band's probably already broken up. And then like five years later, some kid gives another kid the EP and is like, here, take this. Then I listen to it. And I'm like, oh yeah, this yep. is what I'm talking about, you know? And then all these years later, we're having a conversation about it. You know, right. like it's just um, the weird randomness and how, and how small all of this actually really is, you know, yeah. uh, to, oh, yeah. to a degree, you know? But yeah, I remember I remember loving that EP. But it was like a lot of the stuff I was into it because I got into like 
I got into like strong arm and focused and stuff like all around the same time because I, w- I had just joined a youth group and it was very like uh, nobody was into that kind of music in the in the youth group. But uh, I found ways to find, you know, heavier and heavier stuff. And so I, it's funny that I found out all about a lot of these bands in like between like 2000 and 2003 when a lot of them weren't even around anymore. You know, yeah. like I couldn't just go see Outcry, you know, I couldn't go see Strong you know. My youth group was actually really awesome. We had like um, the one of the youth pastors was all about uh, the super tones and uh, Five Iron Frenzy. And like this dude, uh, there was a gosh, he was all about a couple other bands, too. Like, I think he was all about MXPX, too. And I was already into the heavier stuff. So he and I got along pretty, pretty well. That's kind of my, 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 that's my generic start, I guess. Yeah. I guess that's so what happened. Enough. What happened without cry? Um, if we're being honest, uh, it was, it was me. I, okay. I happened to outcry. It was a dream of mine to go on tour. Like I wanted to be a touring musician and I went too hard on the guys. I went way too hard. Now, granted, there were some things that we were doing that we that we probably shouldn't have been doing. Not from a um, like a okay. So our, we were supposed to practice every Tuesday, right? Right. And we were practicing in at the drummer's house, Steve, uh, Steve and, the, and the guitar player's house, Ron. We were supposed to be there at seven. Well, we were supposed to start practice at seven. We would pray from seven o'clock to eight thirty. And then we'd have 30 minutes to practice. Okay, yeah. So I was like, this is great for me spiritually, but we're not doing anything musically right now. We're not as tight as we could be. We're not, we're just like, so I started pushing, you know? And when I started realizing in a way that like my, like I'm gaining in my ability and these guys aren't gaining and it's because I'm practicing and I'm doing what I can to write I started to devalue the, my, I, I was devaluing my friends Yeah. and hardcore was supposed to be about playing music with your friends right. and I wanted more and I didn't go about it in my, in, you know, my immature youth and outcry broke up. Well, that was one reason. The other thing too, is we, we did this little, very, very, very little mini tour. Uh, and we were headed to Charleston, oddly enough, and <laughs> that was a, an adventure of a story, at least for a, you know for a teenager. Where we didn't have a van, we bought a van for like five hundred bucks. The engine blew on it almost Solid immediately. Decision. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I had it. Uh, we paid to have it rebuilt, basically. So the engine got rebuilt, and then we drove as we drove it down to south carolina it broke down in a town in georgetown south carolina some dude saw that it broke down and he pulled up next to us and was like hey you you boys need help and we're like yeah we we need some help yeah and the band guys were already annoyed with with how i was like hawking over everybody because i was telling them you know we can't go over 65 in this car because rebuilt engine and we're already loading it down and um yeah you're the unpromoted manager essentially yeah oh yeah and the van broke and this guy named arthur he he was like you know i i got a h an hvac you know place right up the street here 
well, you can have your van towed to my place, but somebody had to ride with, with the tow truck driver and they were like, make Dan do it. So, right. so I went, ended up going to Arthur's house all alone and we all thought it was going to be like deliverance. <laughs> I was telling this Arthur guy, I was like, yeah, you know, we're actually on our way to Charleston to, to do a show where we're a Christian band. He was like, you're in a Christian band. I was, I'm in, I play Christian music too. He's like, he was like, oh, this is great. And he would get, start giving me gear. He gave me like this bass wah. And that was like, <laughs> I'm never going to use. Yeah. And the guys end up showing up at his place. He, he was like, you know what, boys? The devil doesn't want you to play this show, but the and the Lord does. So we are going to make sure you guys do this show. We're going to load up my HVAC truck, and we're going to load up this blazer. We're going to drive to Charleston the rest of the way. Dude. You boys are going to do your show. So we so did the good. show. Crazy. Went to Waffle House afterwards. He took like, uh, he, he and it was uh, Outcry and Bludgeon. Okay. And he was like paying for us at, at Waffle House with $100 bills. And then he was like, you know what, boys? I was so moved by the performance you put on that, you know, we're going to drive back up to Georgetown. I'm going to give you guys my uh, I'm going to let you guys borrow my Chevy Blazer and I'm going to get a trailer for you. And then you're going to do your show in Virginia Beach with Narcissus and Spitfire. And we're like, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, awesome. Nice. Like, yeah. It's like, I'm going to give you my cell phone and you guys are going to be good to go. And his Blazer didn't have any license plates. Oh. And he was like, you know, boys, you don't need them in uh, North and South Carolina. All you have to have is like lost tags. So we called our roadie at the time, Cutler. And, or no, I'm sorry. Cut, we called Cutler's mom because Cutler was with us. And we were like, uh, hey, mom, is this is this cool? And she was like, yeah, it's, it's okay. Like this is, that, that that's legit. And we're like, all right, sweet. We're going to be able to do it. And, he, and Arthur was like, you know, the registration is in, uh, it's in the car. You guys are going to be good to go. So we slept. And then we were on our way, right? We get to Wilmington. We go, um, then we start going west. And then uh, Arthur's blazer broke down. <laughs> oh, no. You got and, worse luck with cars than I do. Holy crap. Right. The serpentine belt broke. So we were like, all right, well, the serpentine belt broke. We got to have the, the the truck towed. We called up Cutler's mom again, told her what uh, freeway we were at and um what uh what exit she called a tow truck company to to take us like to take the uh have the um, the blazer and u-haul towed to this mechanic right up the street now as that's happening we we open up the glove compartment and there's nothing in there oh no we're driving an unregistered vehicle the thing that said lost tags on the back was gone and we're all like we're gonna go to jail our gear is going to get like, it's going to get skated. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We were like, we, we were beside ourselves. So one of the guys and I, Brendan, we were sitting in front of the license plate as the tow truck driver was pulling up a steady was coming to. Oh boy. And this, this, this dude, this angel of a tow truck driver, as the police officer was coming up to see how we're doing, he's, I'll never forget. He's like, I got it all taken care of officer. I, I got it taken care of. And he sounded just like that. And the guy officer was like, all right. And he left. And we're like, oh, we dodged a bullet. So we get towed to this, this place in uh, Newton Grove, South Carolina or North Carolina. They try putting on a serpentine belt. It was 120 bucks to put on. And we had like 110 and okay. they put that on. And then that broke immediately. And we're like, 
Yeah, there's a reason the Serpentine Belt broke the first time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so this is done. We're done. We're not going to play Virginia Beach with Spitfire and Narcissus. We had to call Arthur and say, uh, you know, your blazer broke down too, and you're going to have to come pick it up. Oh, no. But that, like, between my driving of the band and that that experience really for everybody was way harder because we had to like now we're like okay cutler's mom's got to come pick us up now we have to try to find a way home with all of our gear and like we don't know what we're gonna do mm-hmm. we felt stranded and that was hard on everybody and not everybody wanted to do that and that's what broke up outcry that's the long story of it so yeah no i mean that's uh that's wow yeah, that I mean, it's weird though, right? Because like, gee, I wonder why you didn't want to be, you know, you want to pursue touring in a band after that experience. You know, I had yeah, had enough said. after I drove two cars up to record a record, and that was only one. That was only drive there, stay a week, and then come back, and we were like already like, oh my god, I hate this. Yeah, right. I still wanted to do music, but that definitely had an impact on my faith at the time. I think I, you know, we were kind of talking about that. Um, yeah off the record earlier but that had a it did have an impact on my faith because my understanding of god was more it was different it was more like self-serving yeah god we were doing why did you protect me why did you allow this to happen right and you knew we were serving you why would you do this to us and um so i decided that i was still going to do music but that i wasn't at the time going to follow god anymore so that was that was a three-year endeavor yeah but that's when John, uh, when John and I ended up doing North Meadow Park. project was we were a, a metalcore band that was very influenced by Mr. Bungle. Okay. So we wanted to be we wanted to be really heavy like a hardcore metalcore type thing but also more experimental. Yeah, more so, weird. Yeah. Yeah, v- weird. That's it. Weird. We tried to we we pushed it but I started, I fell into old habits again. And I would say that a significant reason why that band also broke up is because I started feeling a little bit more like, hey, like we have these dreams, we all did, but people wanted them realized differently. So, I mean, it was really philosophically, we were, I was like, I think this is the direction that we need to go. And others were like, no, this is the direction we need to go. And it got to the point where that, that was not sustainable so i left that band that was pretty hard i ended up doing a couple other projects after that but it w- really wasn't until um not beneath with josh that i started feeling actually fulfilled in what i was doing musically yeah i i don't want that out that sounds i was fulfilled with all that stuff but i think i i finally matured as a musician where i was like this is how you're supposed to work with another person 
Yeah, um, I mean, it's hard, though, because, like, I used to always say that, too, because I, I definitely did the whole band dad thing in my band where it was like, I used to always complain, I say this, and it's a terrible thing to say, but I used to always say I'm always at the mercy of the people that I'm with. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I've got, especially with me being the singer, where it was like, I'm the most replaceable member of the band, really, especially if it's a hardcore band, right? You can always find take. another guy to scream. Uh, but if you're a band that has a record out and people know your voice, the singer is simultaneously the least valuable member and the most valuable member in the sense that he's the most recognizable, you know, yeah. out of everybody, you know, everybody's, you know, oh, in a destiny, that's the guy with the fro, you know, singing, you know, like that, that was kind of our, kind of our thing. You, we, we could swap a bass player out. Nobody would never notice, you know, and we did, uh, but it was, uh, we swapped a bass player and a keyboardist and, you know, but you can't swap. We, we swapped the guitar. We swapped almost the whole band. Um, so, I mean, that, that's, you know, whenever you're telling me, oh, yeah, it was me, I totally get it because I was that guy that was like, well, we'll just get somebody else to play guitar because I didn't want the dream to die. Um, and I yeah. couldn't admit to myself at that time that it wasn't because it was the dream that we all had. It was the dream that I had, and I was willing to do anything to keep yeah. that dream going. And so I think that that's very relatable. And I think the thing that's interesting about Not Beneath, which was kind of how how we got in contact with each other, yeah. was, um, you know, and I'm not going to tell the whole story again, but like, yeah, I, I heard a podcast with you and Josh. I heard like 30 seconds of a song and I was like, this is cool. This is what I need to, that's, this is what I, I want to listen to more of this. I'm really into this. I really like these. I really like this. I like the guys. And I made a comment on one of your guys' social medias. I don't even remember what it was probably facebook or twitter or something like that and uh you guys got back to me like within within two days you were like yo saw you had a podcast you got <laughs> what do you got going on with that and uh yeah um and i thought it was well, so funny i remember fun. even yeah i remember i remember even telling my wife i was like it's so weird because i think all i commented originally was like hey this is really cool i like this and i was like and then i feel like they like cyber stalked me a little bit like they clicked <laughs> on the profile and you know um that sort of thing she was all like yeah so like who cares don't you don't you want guests on the podcast don't you and i was like yeah yeah um and so yeah that record memento mori by not beneath uh i still jam that i still listen to that uh, all the time I hear like some of the I hear some of the old like spiritful hardcore bands in there, but I also hear stuff like Extol a little bit, you know, like some of the more proggy stuff. Um, it's so much more complex than what you think it is. If you unless if, like if you've only heard one song off the record, you're gonna get an idea of what kind of record it is, and I can tell you it's not that kind of record. 
Yeah, it's it's um, definitely have you can you can definitely extol is in there. Definitely Meshuggah's in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's um, definitely a spirit filled component to it too. But where yeah, I mean Josh and I are really happy with that. But what's really cool is that we were in the middle of writing, and I think Josh covered this too when when you chatted with him. Is that the follow up material is actually really good. We don't have vocals for it yet, but the music I think is a very respectable follow-up to to Memento Mori. I'm pretty excited for it. I'm just waiting, we're waiting to get back to it. Uh, yeah. But we had like, I don't know, maybe six, six or seven. We were looking to get get a few more, uh, like two or three more under the belt. And then, you know, I think there might be a song or two that, that we may or may not put on. I, I don't know where we're at with that, but yeah, yeah some of the stuff is like, whoa, this we, we're doing doing some good stuff. It's like we're starting to hit our stride. Well, and that's uh, that actually pretty naturally leads into the next topic, which is Symphony in Peril. Because, like, obviously, I was a big fan of Not Beneath, and through that, I became a fan of Outcry, and then also Tangential, Tangentially, Tangentially. I yeah, I'll, I'll fix that in post. Uh, <laughs> but uh, basically, you know, uh, also kind of off on the side too, is I, I really had gotten into Circle back, and it's so weird because there's a guy that lives by me that I have still never actually hung out with in real life, but we live near each other, named Adam Baker, and we yeah. we um, we started talking online because some he was like, hey, does anybody know? Because he was like when he first moved here to S, uh, to St. Louis, he was like, is there anybody in St. Louis that's like really into this stuff? And I think like Josh tagged me immediately and was like, yeah. oh, you guys should hang out. And we still haven't been able, like, I think we've made plans four or five times to do something. And then one of us cancels uh, for some reason. Um, be it, you know, like, I know he's got a lot of stuff going on. Um, and I'm just sort of, I sometimes I'm either just a recluse and I don't want to go out. And I'd rather talk to people through my computer than like hang out with people in real life, uh, which is something that I got to work on. And uh, but it was really interesting how uh, one of the things that he and I talked about, he goes, it's so weird. He's like, because I came from this like scene of people and like you who've never actually met anybody like in real life from that scene. You're like a big fan of like all of those uh, yeah. of all of those guys in some weird way. And I said, yeah, it's it's interesting. There's just certain sort of uh, there's a way that you guys all write songs that for whatever reason resonates with me. Um, and it feels familiar to me and, and I just, I like it. So Adam, um, Adam Baker and Keith Kanye did Outcry's artwork. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Keith Kanye kind of looks like, I guess a little bit like me, but with a much nicer beard that I he's a that handsome, believe, he's a handsome right. man that, that Keith Kanye. And he was like, so it's funny. Like he was, uh, he saw me at furnace fest and like, we haven't, I hadn't seen him in 20 years and his beard is like perfect and i was like dude how do you do it and he was like man i blow dry it and i'm like goodness gracious so <laughs> i started blow drying my beard i'm like oh keith you are amazing so I'm like brushing my beard thanking keith dude but i i just didn't shave for three weeks uh in preparation <laughs> for this chat and i'm probably gonna shave it off as soon as we're done i, I went clean shaven for the longest time and it's weird having it's weird having facial hair again and i just forget yeah. like how much i have to do to it and like con because like there's a, there's a there's a fine line between having a nice beard and looking like you're homeless you know <laughs> and uh so there's definitely times where i've walked into work and they've been like yo do you even try today or or what and 
I'm just like, well, that's kind of a mean thing to say, but all right. Um, no, well, I didn't you look try. beautiful. You look very yeah. beautiful to me. Well, thank you. I think it's good yes. for the fall, uh, for the fall season. Yeah. But um, but no. So whenever I saw the uh, Symphony in Peril announcement, yep. I was stoked because I've always been. I wouldn't necessarily call Symphony in Peril a top five band for me. Um, but right. it's just because they've got a lot of competition, you know, like Zayo, <laughs> you know, uh, yes. Strong Arm and Extol and Living Sacrifice and like all of the classics, right? Yeah. Um, but I remember being a fan, enough of a fan to where I bought uh, their first record. I think I ordered their first record directly from Face Down. horse trophy i bought at hot topic uh strangely enough because nice. there was that time where you could buy face on releases at hot topic yep which was like legit you could go buy a symphony in peril shirt at, at hot topic and it was just absolutely wild but i remember sort of just being like okay the first record i like the ideas that are on the first record i don't always like the execution and Horse Trophy was a lot better, but it was also so different that because metal fans are impossible to please, you know, as we'll talk yeah. about when we bring Lamb Goat into the conversation. But like, oh, um, I can't wait. I yeah. can't wait. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but basically, like, I was always kind of on the fence. But then I find out that like you that first I see that you're in the band and I'm like, OK, so baseline, I'm interested in whatever we got. You know, and then, you know, it was like a day or two later that Josh is like, I'm also uh, now <laughs> in Symphony in Peril. And uh, I was like, okay, yeah, cool. So they're a box set. Got it. So I remember being like really, really, really stoked. And then you guys uh, dropped that first song, which I think was called Authored Confusion. Pretty much right off the bat, I was like, okay. I was, I was like, I'm into it. I, I like I like this more than I liked all of the previous material. Fair. So let's touch on, on some of that, and I'll try to be a lot quicker and less long-winded. But no, um, So I wasn't a fan of Older Symphony and Peril either. It wasn't until later that I started to appreciate it more. But I think that the reason why, a, a significant reason why I didn't like Symphony and Peril is that when I first listened to it, I was expecting Splinter Shards 2.0. That's I think fair. Because, I because because Sean Jonas was in it, and you know I was around for for that era of uh, of Zayo, and uh, the Sean Jonas era of Zayo was spiritually very impactful for me, uh, very impactful. So when I heard Symphony, I was like. This is not, so I already had an expectation. This is not Splinter Shards 2.0. I don't know that I like it. And then I was like, I, I don't know that I can do it. It was just too, I was like, it's Sean Jonas. It needs to be Splinter Shards. So I had this ideal about it. 
right his, vo- that, his vocals have to be a certain pitch yeah everything's got well, no i mean it was like the music it like yeah. it, it wasn't it didn't feel like a spirit-filled record you know neither yeah. of them did and that's not what they were so i really I'd like uh, i think i don't think i'm alone in that either um, I think that a lot of Symphony's fans were new fans. I don't think that any of the old, if I'm playing percentages, I, I don't. I think a lot of the old fans that like Splinter Shards might not have liked the first two Symphony records because of that. So it wasn't until so Andy, who who played bass on on Horse Trophy, and um, Sean wanted to do music again, and uh, this was like early 2022. Yeah, and they asked the the guys if they wanted to do it. The guys said, as far as I know, the guys said that they weren't interested. Andy and Sean got their blessing to find other musicians. Andy knew me. He gave me a call. He said, "You want to do it?" And I was like, uh, "Yes, I do." I I and I was thinking I want to be in a show in a band with Sean Jonas. Yeah, for um, sure. And you know, I am en- and I'm enjoying working with Andy. But now that I'm actually playing horse trophy stuff and like we're, we're playing one song off of um lost memoirs that, that's right so that's tell terrible um now that we're playing a song off of that i have a re- renewed appreciation it's this stuff is really fun to play uh credit to the og members of symphony for all of that like it's really I haven't met Josh Aronofsky. I, ha- I haven't met uh, Andy Real. I just met Colin at the last Narcissist show because he he plays drums for Narcissist now, and I have a huge appreciation for those for those guys now and what they did and the foundation that they laid for this. But the stuff that we're writing now, you know, again to keep it fairly short winded, is that I, I'm trying to write it with some of the old flair, but I'm not those guys. So I'm trying to kind of like just be creative and and write and you know if if andy likes it and if sean likes it and if josh likes it and brian likes it then we're good we're we're going with it so yeah um that's kind that's kind of where we're at no that's exciting i mean and i i largely feel the same way about the first record is like i definitely like what they were going for in a lot of the songs and there is a little bit of like that it has because i was kind of like uh I don't know if I really got into old Zeo until after I had heard Symphony in Peril and I had kind of both contexts to go mm-hmm. with. Because, I mean, if that so that record came out in 2003. And so if my memory serves me correctly, I probably got into Zeo about six months to a year before that. It's so hearing this come out. Because I remember the first time I heard old Zeo, I had, I was downloading whatever Zeo songs I could find on hardcore.com or you know, hardcore mp3 or whatever you could whatever yeah. you could get back then uh yeah i was reading my news on lamb goat and uh you know I, I was getting all this information at the time and uh so whenever i heard oh this is the old singer zeo i was like oh okay so that's like those records that don't sound like the ones that i like you know what i mean so yeah. it was like um i became obviously a fan of i'll just call it the dan era of of zeo that was what zeo was at the time and yeah. so oh, yeah getting to sort of hear it from a different perspective there were things about sean's vocals that if i hadn't liked about symphony and peril i wouldn't have appreciated going back to stuff like splinter shards just because i like sean's sort of like really aggressive vocal but then also mixed with like sort of more melodic moments with like spoken word and stuff like he's able to be very emotive in a lot of different ways for a guy that doesn't traditionally sing he is able to convey a lot 
<laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. And obviously has that really cool range. That really endeared, this, this first symphony record really endeared Sean to me. Uh, yeah. As a singer, because uh, you got to think, what is it? What is a Christian hardcore kid listening to in two thousand and two, two thousand three? We're listening. <laughs> right. We're listening to Norma Jean. Yeah, we're listening to you know more like chaotic, feedback-soaked type bands, and this record absolutely fit the bill. So it was like, oh, this is cool. And then Horse Trophy came out, and I remember being like, okay, this is this is more like straight ahead. You know what I mean? It's not, it's yeah. more, it's more like these songs all have a structure. Like you could, like, it was like somebody took out a piece of paper and was like, okay, <laughs> this is yeah. what, this is where we're going to go with these songs. We're still going to have the breakdowns. We're still going to do, you know, all the really heavy stuff, but that record seemed a lot more put together. Uh, but yeah. I also didn't feel like it had as much variation to it as the first record did, but it was better than the first record, if that makes sense. Like that didn't make any sense. Yeah, it's it's a good follow up. I think that I, I, it's my opinion that the sophomore record is the most difficult to write because in a lot of ways, when you do your first record, you're and and especially if it hits, then you're 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 almost like setting the stage, and in a way, you're putting all of your creative juices into that first record, and then the second record, it's like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? You know, we got we have to follow it up now, and I think that. Again, like the the OG boys from Symphony did a really good job at at following it up from Lost Memoirs. I think they did a really just a fantastic job. It's weird. I've given more musical opinion on this episode than I think that I have done on the entire run of DFT's Dungeon. Because normally I'm like, yeah, I, I listen to this record, then the car caught on fire. Or uh, I listen to this record and um, I got a promotion at work. Or yeah, yeah. something stupid like that. But like... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's I not wish. stupid, but whatever. Yeah, like what's funny about opinions is, man, everybody has them, and yep. nobody has opinions like our anonymous commenters on everybody's favorite website, lambgoat.com. Oh, man, they're uh, so good. I read all of them. So they're funny. They are hilarious. I, I don't mean, I don't, okay, so when I say all of them, I don't mean the new announcements. I mean all of them. All yeah. of the Symphony in Peril posts that have ever been on lambgoat.com. I read the yeah. comments too. <laughs> and um, it's ironic because the first the very first post on Lambgoat is from February 9th, 2003. And it's literally just like, "Yo, Symphony in Peril has signed to Facetown Records." <laughs> You know, uh, and literally the only comment on there, this is the most innocent comment section that we're going to get to. And uh, it's a guy named Kill Mo Kids. And he literally says, OMG, first post. And he posted that on oh, yeah. October post. 22nd, 2005. So three years after. That's great. So I guess That's it's like, great. it's like, okay, Symphony in Peril, Face Down Records, nobody cares. <laughs> right. Oh, I know. It's great. So. I, that's almost a good segue into like we released another song this year. Um, yeah, the the truth that binds. 
and you know Lamgo did their their post on it and those comments are fantastic and the thing was this is great so i was getting on there and i was just trying to be i was trying to tee it up like i, I was so i didn't make any like controversial like they're like nobody asked for this so yeah like we know nobody asked for this but this is still really fun for us and yeah. i was waiting for somebody to be like dude you suck why would you even do this and i was trying to tee it up so that we can get more absurdly amazing comments yeah and i don't know that it went too well uh i don't know that anybody truly bit on that but yeah i um, mean you never you never know i mean because you're dealing with first of all everybody was like really 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 honed in on your misery signal shirt (laughs) like everybody was really upset about that like my favorite one was uh i can read it i got it pulled up here please uh where does he say it i'm from anonymous 45 oh yeah from anonymous that that helps they could all be you i don't know like it's uh yeah i don't remember what he says but he's like um oh my god everybody everybody formerly of zeo that's the only reason anybody cares about this brand that and then there's this whole other thing about harm's way and a show like that has nothing to do with symphony in peril at all uh (laughs) that's going like they're literally going to war about it people making fun of the andy caps hot fries shirt yeah yeah, drive-by hardcore dancing uh, videos, which me and my friends used to watch literally all the time. If you guys don't Jesus know what that is, is I'll link it to the uh, I'll link it we, in the show notes. It's the best way to have a good time on a Saturday night. <laughs> we we like, called our chat it, uh, "sip flip" because of lamb goat. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, like nobody sip asked flip. for this dude in the misery signal shirt. Is a I think they they said a midget. Or something they said you were a midget and everybody was like really really upset well there was one guy and i can't find the comment now but i i know it's in there where he's like hey buddy no the guy says uh like hey buddy i have a misery signal shirt too but unlike you i didn't buy mine last week i I've know mine funny for 20 years and i was like weird flex but okay like yeah uh, and i was like is he was he specifically talking about that shirt because i don't remember that shirt being out a while back maybe maybe it was but well, I mean, I told you not to put the receipt out on in the picture of when you bought that shirt because that's the only way he knows that, right? Right, of course. Is like you're like this is the receipt of me buying this misery signal shirt that I'm wearing right now in this photo. I bought that shirt off of Amazon too. I got it. I mean, I had it, you know, overnighted. Oh hell, just yeah. so that I could take that. Just for that photo, because before yeah. it was just like a button-down shirt. Because you guys are dads, which is apparently a problem, uh, like a huge yeah. problem. Uh, not only that, but like everybody was overly concerned about whether or not you guys were all photoshopped together into the picture. Yeah, and I was like, hey, guess what? We all are. We're all photoshopped. Yeah, guess what, dude? Yeah, everybody's worried about me. Uh, my favorite comment out of that entire section is they were all like looking at your guys's height and they're like yeah it's a perfect check mark nice and i was like that might be the only thing i've read in these comment sections that is objectively true that's <laughs> like, great when i'm looking at it i'm like yeah okay you got totally wild and i like those i obviously i i liked those songs i would tell you if i didn't you know i'd, I'd come and be well, like I, hey, I appreciate it <laughs> hey you need to take that down from streaming because i am a guy on the internet that said that i didn't like it so you know i'm gonna need you to you know i got a friend who straight told me it sounds like crap he was like, I don't like it. I don't like anything about it. There's no dynamics. It's uh, like he's he's gonna listen to this and like he's gonna know who he like obviously he knows who he is. Um, but it's um he's a good dude though. I can always count on him to be honest, even if I completely disagree with his his take. Yeah. 
He was like, yeah, man, send it to me next time. I'll mix it for you. <laughs> I was like, okay, oh, sure, I'll send it to you. You can, you can take that off my plate. Well, and they're also just singles, right? Like you guys recorded them, you know, and put them out so you'd have something, you know, to, to throw out there, show yeah. people the new material, show people the new band, you know, yeah. um, that sort of thing. And it's not like you guys put a record out that, you know what I mean, is, is going to be those exact recordings, you know, not unless yet. they are. Yeah, unless they are. Um, no, I mean, like, it's, but, um, we're, we're in, uh, all the songs are finished except for vocals. Okay. Um, but yeah, we have like 11 tracks that we're hoping to release next year and we're, we're kind of shopping it around right now, seeing if, uh, any, any label is going to bite <laughs> before anybody we, wants um, it. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody asked for this though. Yeah. That has been made abundantly clear that nobody <laughs> yeah, thanks, asked Lame for it. I know we know nobody asked for it. I don't care. A fourth tier christian yes. metalcore band oh, that's great uh, is is so reuniting good. and yeah i watched that interview with hardcore hotline and it oh, is so, i know uh, yeah it was wonderful it's weird too because like i was like man i really wish that i had like the sack to pull people onto an interview and like make fun of them like i mean obviously in a fun way but like i was like man it, it, it would be so cool to be in on that niche of like not feeling like i have to be polite to people and uh but I, i'm from the midwest i literally can't help it like when we're done recording this i'm gonna text you and apologize to you like four times after the fact and just be like sorry i talk so much this interview was about you i know and i made it about me and i feel so bad about it you know um that's that's gonna happen so be be ready for that no it's um, all good but yeah it, it is wild and i think i commented this way back uh whenever i first started seeing it was that like these dudes that are posting on lamb goat are the same dudes that have always been posting on lamb goat <laughs> Right. Like the responses are too similar. Like that's part of the reason why I went back and I read like all of the old articles. You see, you know, because like the articles that aren't, it's like Face Down, signed Symphony in Peril, then Symphony in Peril prepare a new album in 2004. Symphony in Peril loses vocalist. I guess that was at some point where nobody could find Sean and he was just lost. We've lost uh, gorgeous forever. George. Yeah, and then it's like narcissist vocalist joins Symphony in Peril. And then, like, literally 10 minutes later, Symphony in Peril is calling it quits. Right. <laughs> like, man, that's that's uh, absolutely rough. But, like, yeah. you go and read the comments on all of those old ones, and they're like, they actually have usernames in the yeah. old comments, but in the new one, it's all anonymous. But it's like, dude, I know you guys are all the same three people. Like, it's got to be. It, it, and plus, they're, they're too good. I was really trying to get people going, and it just didn't. It's an art form. Work. It's an art yeah. form. Like these guys are artists. They are like so good at making comments that just will absolutely entertain you. Cause like I used to like, whenever I was younger, I was a little bit more naive and I was like, there's no way that like people are this mean. And it's like, no, I think people actually are that mean, but I also think that it's like, there's something great about posting anonymously on the internet. Yeah. That is just, it is an apple that is too appealing to not bite into. Like you just right. have to do it. And I was like, has any other band engaged like this on Lamb Goat where like they're commenting with the commenters and and just saying, yeah, 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 we're all we're we're all Photoshop, hundred percent. It's because we all live in different areas. I was like, I don't know if anybody else is doing it, but that it just yeah, it didn't yeah, whatever. It didn't hit. Um, yeah, it 
it it didn't no nobody bid on it yeah um, i think i don't know if these guys ever even go back and look at their comments like they after, might not, after yeah. they make them if you really want to read good lamb goat comments though go read anything about the acacia strain literally right. anything like it it will be it, it will entertain you for hours if you're just like man i got nothing to do tonight i think i'm just gonna start hating humanity even more which is why you would read about the acacia strain anyway sure. uh but then yeah you get into you get into those lamb goat comments and it's absolutely perfect and uh i was actually worried about that because they're under new ownership now and i thought things would change but they clearly have not so that's what we all want we don't want things to change and that's why that's why bands get back together after <laughs> after all of those years it's like we don't want we, we want the old things to be the only things and not to yeah know. to a degree yeah you're yeah. right i think that in in a way well i think a, a, the reason why a lot of these guys are getting back together is not necessarily because it like they're going through some sort of midlife crisis but because it's fun yeah you know it's it is fun doing this it is fun making music with your pals it it you know this whole thing is is fun and now what's really cool is that our families get to see it you know like my kids uh, are, are pretty young and my my oldest and my middle child they were both at my show and they were having just the greatest time and i was like i would do this all over again just for them like i mean lamb goat comments be damned i would do this all over again it's just so much fun to do and it's really cool to see all these bands you know getting back together and releasing new material and watching everybody having fun as as a community even if symphony obviously even if we weren't doing it it's still fun to watch all these bands getting back together so yeah yeah i think part of it too is that like it's hard becoming an adult and a yeah. lot of us quit doing our childhood dream when we yeah. realize how hard like we were like okay unfortunately we don't have time to yeah. tour we don't have time to to be doing this because like especially in that type of music there's there's really is a cap to how much money you're going to make to how how well you're actually going to do you're not going to become disturbed you're not going to become you know yeah. some band and i don't think i don't think really most anybody would thought that anyway you know what i mean yeah. thought that that it was ever going to be huge you know and so you realize how hard it is to become an adult and you're like okay i've got to step away from this and i have to you know but now that you've been in the saddle for a while you've you've done the adult decisions you you actually like live in your own house <laughs> you know what i mean you you have you have the job you have the income i think yeah. you reach a certain point where you know your kids get to a certain age and you're like maybe it would be okay with the advancements in technology that me and my friends could get together and record some music yeah. and maybe play some shows every now and again. Right. You know, the dream is remarkably the same as how yeah. it began, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but now you are actually skilled at time management and or better at it. Maybe. <laughs> well, skilled, I say, yeah, better at it, skilled, you know, uh, yeah. you know, like when you're able to do things and, and when you're not able to do things that you just didn't possess when you were a teenager, at least I didn't possess that, or I'd be a lot further along in life than I am, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think the the other thing about this too, is that I, I have really gained a much stronger appreciation for bands that have made it, that have yeah. figured out a way to make this work because it really does take everybody being on the same page in order to make it work. And it's more being on the same page with your, with your work ethic and with your, to a degree, your, your talent level, your willingness to, to grind. And that's what all these bands have done. Like some bands, I mean, everybody has different, uh, different talent, talent levels, you know? Yeah. Uh, but 
you know, you see just all of these bands grinding it out and doing it and still like, I mean, I'll use a, in my opinion, a good example, like Earth Crisis. Oh, or yeah. Zayo. That's a great example. Zayo is every release is a banger. They're so good. And, and and they're and they're still yeah they're still doing it and they're still good and so i just have such an appreciation for for all of those dudes and i'd say probably more so zeo than anybody because you know like i've I've known those dudes for for a while and they just keep getting better i was just talking to scott about it i was like dude how do you guys do it how do you guys get better you guys are just insane like how and then i was like how you how do you specifically like he was having so much fun at furnace fest and i was just so happy for those guys they just they bring it. Those dudes bring it. I'm so happy for them. So I saw them uh, over the. I saw them back a few months ago at uh, Post Fest mm-hmm. in Indianapolis. Oh yeah, I just happened. I just happened to get sent on a work trip there, and I was like, oh my god, yeah, I'm going. You know, like like, yeah. like straight up, and they just absolutely burned the entire place to the ground. No pun intended. Like I mean, it was well, just, um, yeah, it was. They just. That's funny. They, I mean. I couldn't. I couldn't get it. Would, it was so hot outside though. They were playing outside, which is a really unique experience. Seeing Zayo yeah. out in the bright sunlight playing or whatever. I mean, they still brought it a thousand percent, but like it was. It was definitely a really, a really fun experience. What sucks about that? About that is that I was supposed to go to the Zayo Narcissus show, the one in Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. I was supposed to go to that show. I had tickets. I <laughs> bought tickets, and I didn't ever go because that work trip got thrown on me. Yeah. And uh, I actually talked about this in the first episode of this season, but like the work trip got thrown on me. I was like, oh crap. So I because re- Josh was like, yeah, dude, if you need to just like sleep on my floor or something, you know, so you don't have to drive overnight back home. It's like a 10 hour, 10 hour drive to Cleveland. But I was like, everybody I know is going to be there. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it would be cool to go to that show and hang out and smooth and, and just, you know, shake everybody's hands and give hugs and all that good stuff and then like the work trip was thrown off and i go oh that sucks i was like but i can still go see zeo in indy so i got tickets to that show i went up there so i went to get my rental car from enterprise right by my house you know how that you know the enterprise dance right where you Mm -hmm. go pick up the car you drive the car to your house then you have your wife drive you back to enterprise to get your car so we got to get my car and my wife calls me on the way back she's like your car is spraying fluids all over the highway and i was like oh one more cool thing. and then like the car wouldn't even start again i mean it's gone i already junked it i sold it to a guy for 200 dollars for scrap like it was just like absolutely wild then i had to leave for nine days so like i had this big problem and there was nothing i could do about it i was just like yep. I, I gotta go to indy for nine days and so like literally the only thing that I, that made that trip worth it for me was that well at least i got to see zeo yeah. <laughs> you know while i was while i was out there but and it's so funny i look so put together pulling up in this nice rental car and, you know <laughs> you know it's like oh things must be going really really good got a lot of sweaty hugs you know um that's basically all of us older hardcore dudes anyways yeah you know, I'm in town like, for business. I thought I'd stop by yeah, and see the tunes. It. Yeah. But um, that was really cool getting to do that. But yeah, they brought it like on a level that I oh. wasn't expecting. But dude, I'm actually so glad I didn't try going to that Cleveland show because I would have tried driving that car and I would have never made it. Well, there, there's that, but that show was stupid hot. I heard. It yeah. I heard that so it was like throw hot. up hot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Scott was saying something to the effect of it's either been a long time or he's never been at a show where he felt like he was going to pass out. And like, that's, that's how freaking ridiculously hot it was in that venue. Yeah. Um, but 
I mean, that just adds to it. It was so stupid hot, and then they got to go the next day to Indy and play another stupid hot show. Yeah. But yet, they again, they just those dudes bring it. They're they're so good at what they do. You know, it's it's almost it's almost guaranteed in the bank. If they do anything else, you're like, okay, here we go again. This is gonna be awesome. Oh yeah, dude. When I heard Crimson Corridor. For the first time, because when I heard virus, I was like, this is it. This is the Zayo of my dreams. You're right. Like, this yeah. is so, this is so good. And I remember um, Jeff let me hear some stuff off of Crimson Corridor. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. how, did, how, have, how have you done this? Like, how, how are yeah. you able to just continue? Like, how does Scott do anything other than just sit at his house and, and write riffs? Right. You know, like, how, how? Yeah. You know, it just, it boggles the mind. I don't know how they've been able to, to just, continue at that level for such a long time and i but i think a lot of it has to do with again the modern technology like mm -hmm. i mean jeff is probably the greatest marketer i have ever encountered in my life yeah i can the guy can sell you anything with a zao logo on it anything yeah. nintendo cartridge um they sold a halloween cot they're selling a halloween costume right now it's probably sold out it's probably gone <laughs> right. already everybody's like hey did you get that costume i was like i love zayo i don't know if i love him that much do i want to go for halloween as the well-intentioned virus like i don't know if i i don't know that i could you know yeah there'd be something just a little bit a little bit weird for me i don't know maybe it's just because i'm older i don't know that i could I think that they probably sold sold out of those already you know if anything i don't know if anybody would truly go as that for halloween they would buy it and it would be memorabilia. Well, absolutely. Um, because in 10 years, you're going to be the super fan that had the Zayo Halloween costume. Yeah. You know, I mean, still in box for 500 to $600. So to kind of, I mean, in a weird kind of way to like circle it, to circle back. <laughs> to Symphony, we're doing two Splinter Shards Zayo songs. And the decision was made to do them because there was a lot of people who enjoyed that era of Zayo and might not have um, gotten to see that live. So we just decided to do them. During our Birmingham Furnace Fest uh, pre-show thing at LCY Media. By the way, LCY Media is absurd. Those guys, like, like that venue is is absurd. And the, the guy who runs it is amazing. People were asking me for set lists and yeah. guitar picks. And I was a little almost taken aback by it. Where I, I'm like, dude, we're, we're, hard, we're, we're all hardcore kids, man. Like, I'm not, I'm not any... I mean, I guess I get it. You know, you know, some people like that's just that that's what they want. That's what they want to yeah. do. Some yeah. some guy and it was so funny that we, we were talking about it on the way down that if somebody gives you vinyl to sign, should you sign it if you were not on the album? And I was like, probably not. And then some dude walked up to me with a horse trophy record is like, I want you to sign it. And I was like, I kind of can't. And he was like, well, why not? And I was like, because I, I was like, I wasn't on the record, man. He was like, I don't care. And I yeah. said, oh. Okay, I was like, well, I'll sign it, but I'm gonna. I was like, and so I signed it, and as he was talking, I was like, hey, hey, wait, and then I put in parentheses, not on this record. Oh man, you know it's weird because I, I would love to meet up and give you a copy of a Not Beneath album to sign, but uh, there isn't a physical one. Schwacked. That's right. There is. There are no physical media. Yeah. I should make. I should burn you a disc. Burn me a disc. Sign but it. don't no, don't sign it. Then I have to come to you and get it signed. Oh, fair. Okay. All right. Yeah. I like it. And then no, so here here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna you're gonna burn me a CD. It's gonna be like just a, a, a shitty CD CDR. You know what I mean? Just okay. like a, I like it. Like a little, yeah. you know, or maybe get with the old vinyl CDRs if if they, you know, if you can dig one of those up. I know we've all still got a spindle of them somewhere. I got like, that's what I was just looking for. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, get the get that one. 
right? Not beneath Memento Mori. And then I have to go to a symphony show and have you sign it and then not have Josh sign it, even though he'll be there. And then I'll have to go to a narcissist show and have him sign it. Nice. I like this. I, I did like that to, uh, I did that to Travis, the old host of as the story grows because he played drums on the Unteachers album. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so when I, I drove to Indy to see Zayo cause that's the story of my life, but this was like five years ago. I drove and, and Travis was selling merch for them. I brought that, I brought my well-intentioned virus and had everybody sign it. And then, um, I brought the Unteachers record and I had Travis sign it. Nice. <laughs> and he was just like, what are you, what are you, he was so confused. I wish I would have just recorded his reaction. Nice. Um, because it was one of the look on his face was just, was just hilarious. Yeah, but, I think, uh, no, I think I'm that into we're all that. like that. Yeah. We're, we're just like, we're like, you want me to sign it? I mean, I don't think it's a pretentious thing. I think it's almost, you want to feel you know, legit. Some people have already accepted it where they're like, oh yeah, I'm just going to sign it. Right. But then there's like, it's, it's dude, it's, it's just me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a nobody. Yeah. You know, what's funny. People are going to listen. They're going to latch onto that comment. Like, yeah, yeah. No kidding. You're a nobody. Of course I am. I'm gonna submit I'm, that. I, I'm gonna submit it to Lamb. Go through like nobody finally comes to terms with the fact that he's nobody. Right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that is so cool. I was actually gonna ask you that, and I'm glad that you brought it up. Was just like, what is that feeling like, though? You growing up loving Splinter Shards, and then do did you ever? I mean, can you even fathom that? So many years later, you're on a stage with Sean Jonas playing those songs. Um, so yes, in, in a weird kind of way, it, it, there is a, it does kind of feel completed circle to a degree. Yeah. And it's weird that I, that I get to do it. Uh, yeah, de definitely. It's awesome to do this with, with these guys. It's awesome to do this with Sean Jonas. It was a significant reason why I wanted to do this where it's like, Hey, we're doing this again. And the whole, and, and even kind of tying that to writing material, like I was just kind of messing around. I was like, Hey, let's just do this. Like, I'm, I'm just going to write these couple songs here. Like I wrote a, a couple and the drummer, um, from the show that we did last year, Mikey, like really liked it. And we're like, Hey, mm -hmm. we should do it. So we ended up doing it, but then they were like, we should put it out before we do it. So I was like cramming to get this thing out. <laughs> like, You're like, That's not how that works. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then we were like, Hey, well this, it was kind of fun to write something and put something out. Like let's, let's continue. Let's, let's keep going. And then before you know it, you know, we have 11 songs under, under well, at least 11 under our belt. I was thinking about writing a couple more, so maybe we can actually cut something for once. Yeah. Um, or put it on the back burner for a seven inch or, or whatever. But yeah, that's, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because yeah. it, it it's it's freaking cool for me. I mean, how many of us have listened to our favorite record and imagined that we were the guy on the stage playing the songs yeah. and, and you you got to do it? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just uh, that's that is surreal. I remember I, I left a really depressing comment on one of the YouTube videos because I was watching I was watching that show and I I knew everybody in the front row. Yeah. So it was just like really front, like circle back. John's there. Yeah. Um, Adam. Adam's there. You know, you and Josh are on stage. And my friend Jesse Hawley is recording, is the one recording it. Oh, you know? nice. And, yeah. And I'm just like, man. Thanks, Jesse. Dude, Thanks, he is Jesse. a fiend with <laughs> recording stuff and putting it up. But like, it was really sad because I was, I was like, there's no reason why I shouldn't have been there. You know, yeah. uh, I've been part of that. And it's so frustrating because I had, um, 
so many opportunities to go and just stuff just kept happening like three yeah. like and like two weeks before furnace fest our other car before we had even replaced the one that died before the cleveland show the other yeah. car caught on fire and it was just like oh my gosh like yeah how am i not you know like obviously you know a greater power doesn't want me to go to furnace fest or doesn't want me to go down there um or it's just stupid dumb luck you know but yeah. um next year i am i am so determined to hell or high water to get out, maybe even if it's not necessarily Furnace Fest, but just to go to the places where people that I know are and just kind of exist there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. So Furnace Fest a couple of years ago, I was going to go yeah. and I, I bought my ticket and it's funny, I sold it for pennies on the dollar and I'm sure like yeah. 300 plus on it. I had my hotel booked and everything, but I ended up not going. I really wanted to see Josh's band there. That's That was the reason that I wanted to go. I wanted to yeah. see Josh at Furnace Fest and I didn't end up going. So I totally get that feeling of wanting to be there with your pals and not being able to experience that with your pals specifically. Yeah. I'm still having an absolute blast doing this with these guys and, you know, to give some credit too to the to the guys who did the the show from Symphony last year and how Josh is in the band now is basically a logistical thing. Like we we were kind of all over the place. Yeah. And um you know, the, the bass player is living in Kansas City with, uh, with with Sean. The drummer was living in New York, East New York. And we're like, we needed people here in Cleveland so that way we can actually prepare and actually practice in the same room and so that Sean can just show up and do this. And yeah. it wasn't an easy decision, but, you know, Josh was available and was like, yeah, dude, I, I'll, I'll do it. And, and it ended up working. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a thrill for me to be able to do shows with Josh just to be a part of this and to like kind of live a little bit of my own dream. People can downplay this stuff, you know, and say we're a fourth rate hardcore band. And that's, I, I think that's like, although it's hilarious, but I don't care, man. I'm, I'm having, I'm having fun doing this. I'm so lucky that I'm going to, I'm going to be 44 in a couple weeks and I get to do this still. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, struggling to do this. It's great. We're so privileged that we get to do anything like this, that we live in a time where we can do this and let alone get to do this at, in, in our 40s. We're all in, baby. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of DFT's Dungeon. Like I said in the intro, my name is Daniel Terry. And if you guys like this podcast, please tell your friends about it. Word of mouth is actually the real way to spread a podcast around. And I've got a lot more episodes planned for this season coming up. I've got a really cool chat with Dean Atkinson, formerly of With Blood Comes Cleansing, that'll be coming out next week. It's already done, so even an emergency root canal is not going to stop me. And with that positivity in mind, I will see you guys here next week. Thank you so much for supporting what I do.